Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. If you are new around here, welcome. I am so glad that you are here. My guess is you're here because you have a dog that you love very much. And maybe you're curious about training. Maybe you want to improve your relationship with your dog. Maybe you're dealing with some specific behavior challenges. Whyever you are here, I'm very glad that you chose to listen to me today. So In today's episode, I want to talk about something very practical and very specific as it pertains to training new behaviors and working in your training session. So in the previous episode of Disorderly Dogs, they talked about winter woes, right? (laughs) Here in Colorado, we are having a very real wintry winter. Sometimes we get spoiled where it's not too cold or too snowy, but (laughs) this year we're having a for reals winter, which has just meant that we are inside a lot more than we typically are. And one of the things that I suggested was working on some (laughs) trick training or just doing some training in the house. And my hope is that some of you have taken that advice and you've been having fun with your dogs and it's helping to meet their needs. But I want to talk about some specific things you can be doing in those training sessions just to make sure that you are making the most of those training sessions and you can progress um, in the behaviors that you're working on. So when it comes to your training sessions, I always want you to think about the pace of your training session because it's going to make or break your training sessions depending on your pace. So if you have worked with me before, uh, especially if you worked with me virtually and you've gotten feedback on your videos, something you'll hear me give you a kudos on is the pace of your training session. So I want to just explain what I mean by the pace of your training session so that you all can hopefully take this advice and use it today. Okay. So this is relevant for any behavior that you're teaching, right? Any new behavior that you're teaching, but it's particularly relevant for when we are building on a foundational behavior and trying to add another set of criteria. So for example, duration, or maybe we're working on uh, consent and care. So those of you who aren't familiar with consent and care, it's a whole trained protocol where the dog has control over uh, what's happening and they can opt in or opt out. It is wonderful, but it's very complex and it can be a bit challenging to uh, build to fluency. So when you're starting a training session, I want you to always have a general plan on what you're going to be working on. So before you start training your dog, I definitely suggest that you have a target in mind. So if you are going to work on something that your dog already knows and you're not trying to change it, you're just trying to um, work on it for fun, you don't have to be as concerned about pace. But if you have um, some new behaviors that you're trying to work on, you have some behaviors you're really kind of trying to take to the next level, the pace of your training session is going to be hugely helpful. So we always want to start a training session easy, 
Always, 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 always. I think that in our instant gratification society, we want to like push and ask for like the most behavior right from the beginning. And if your dog has been doing something fluently, you can do that. But if you're working on a new skill and they're not doing it fluently, then please don't ask for something hard right from the beginning because then you're kind of you're kind of tainting the pace of your training session because you're starting with something that your dog isn't going to be successful. So when we're looking at teaching, you know, any behavior, really any behavior, we want to start really easy, meaning we're going to start with a repetition that we're going to cue our dog to do something and we feel really, really, really confident that they're going to be able to do it well from the beginning. So I'll give you an example here. So when I'm working on my consent and care protocol with Waylon, I ask him to do a duration nose touch of about 10 seconds. That is something that Waylon can do consistently in multiple settings under multiple circumstances. So that's easy for him. Okay, so if you're working on duration behavior, you need to understand a little bit more about the realities of how fluently your dog can offer a certain duration. So that's my easy rep. Right, I put my hand out, I ask him to touch, he touches for 10 seconds, I reinforce for that. After that, right, I've had a success, I'm gonna go ahead and push criteria. So on the next repetition, he offers the nose touch, I have him do it for longer, usually 15 to 20 seconds, and I'll probably add in another element of our consent and care protocol, which is usually some sort of handling, body handling of his, right? So I might pick up his paw, I might run my hand down his back, he maintains, that's all successful, reinforce. If this second repetition is unsuccessful, I am not going to push forward. (laughs) I'm going to try again and ensure that I can get success in that behavior. And I think that this is a concept that if you're a professional trainer, you, you know very well. But I think those of you who are just beautiful pet guardians, maybe not professional dog trainers. Um, I think that this is something that we don't need to overly complicate, but this is really like the nitty gritty of teaching behavior, adding in criteria and building it to fluency is having the wherewithal to understand when you can push criteria and when you need to lower criteria. And that's kind of the all encompassing pace of the training session, right? So starting easy ensures that we get some momentum, right? Like, okay, we got an easy one. All right, let's try something maybe a little bit different, maybe a little bit harder. Okay. So in this example, If my second repetition is not successful, I'm just going to try again. If it's unsuccessful again, then I'm going to go back to the easy behavior so I can get another reinforcement in and then I will try pushing again. So much of this is to empower our dogs to continue to participate in the training session. Okay, because imagine being the learner and you don't speak the language. You would really want your teacher to be making it so that you can be successful pretty consistently in a pretty short amount of time. By doing that, we're creating more motivation, more reinforcement for the learner so that when we need to push further and further in this behavior, we have our dogs motivation. We have their buy-in, right? And I think that this is something that is, it's an art form. It takes some time. It takes some understanding. But if you're new to training and maybe you're still kind of figuring out the like when you should push, when you shouldn't, I want you to just be empowered that you can always just go back to an easy behavior and reinforce for that. Again, I think that so many of us are like so concerned about 
getting the behavior to fluency and they need to do it without food. And like, you guys, we will get there. I promise we will totally get there. But it takes time, right? Like these baby steps are the foundational work to get to those fluency and behaviors. So, okay, I, I let's go back to my example. I've had one successful easy repetition. I've had one successful a little bit harder repetition. Then I'm going to push criteria even more. Then I'm probably going to get more duration. I'm probably going to push for a little bit more of an invasive hand handling technique. So maybe I will pick up a paw and hold it for longer than I did the first time. This is something that once you have more experience training with your dog, it's just going to come kind of intuitively in these training sessions. But when you can think of your the pace of your training session, we start early, uh, easy, excuse me, we push and we push and we push and we have some success, we have some success, we have some success. Brilliant. We're going to call it good there. We're going to end the training session. But when I come back to the training session, I'm not going to start at the hardest part that I left off right? I might make it a little bit more difficult on that first repetition than I did before. But again, I want it to be perceived as easy by my dog. When I ask my dog to do something, I want them to be like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. That's easy. And when you you learn to maintain this pace in your training sessions, what starts to happen is one, you start to make more progress. Two, your dog starts to learn and retain information a lot faster because you're becoming a better teacher. And that really just opens up the possibility to teach them all kinds of really awesome complex topics. I think when I'm talking about the pace of the training session, this is relevant in a lot of contexts, but I think it's particularly relevant when you're working on behaviors with your dogs at home in relatively easy environments where they have no problems focusing on you. The pace of the training session can be really, really important. When you're out in the world, there's just more variables, right? And the pace of the training session has to really yield to the environment a lot more when you are out in the world, right? Because there's just more distractions, there's more going on. But when you're working on these behaviors at home, you have a little bit more control (laughs) of the situation and it makes it easy for your dog to stay engaged, right? When you have your dog's undivided attention, that's when it becomes extremely important that you as the trainer, you as the teacher are taking the time to set it up so your your dog can be as successful as they possibly can. And I do want to add a caveat here that we all make mistakes, okay? I make mistakes in my training session all the time, but you want to know how I handle those mistakes, I usually just do a cookie toss and we start again, (laughs) right? My dogs love cookie tosses. That's something that I often recommend recommend to my clients when they're starting to get maybe a little flustered, maybe a little overwhelmed, maybe a little confused in the training session. Just do a treat toss, (laughs) right? Give your dog a second and hopefully when they come back, you have a little bit more of a game plan of what you're going to do. So when you're working on your training exercises inside, because if you get to work outside because you live in a warm climate, I will be honest, I'm very envious of you. But for everyone else who's in the boat that I'm in, that it's winter and it's cold and we're stuck inside more, again, I really want to encourage you to work on some trained skills in your house, whether they're for function or they're for fun. Um, just doing a couple minutes of training can be a great way to bond with your dog, enrich their lives, tire them out, and teach them new things, which is always really fun. I think we all <laughs> like to learn new things. So when you're working on these behaviors at home with your dog, please think about the pace in your training session, okay? Start easy. Make it really easy for your dog to be successful. Once you have some success, then you can start to add criteria. You can start to make things a little bit different, a little bit more difficult, and if all else fails, just do a cookie toss and give them a break.
Everyone, I'm sure you've heard uh, the, <laughs> the loud door closing. That would be spicy. She is entertaining herself opening and closing my cabinet doors right now. I do my best to maintain a semi-decent quality of audio on this podcast, but I tell you what, having a six-month-old puppy running around makes that challenging sometimes. Everyone, I hope you found this uh, podcast episode to be useful, but remember, when you you can really articulate and manage the pace of your training sessions, you're going to have a lot of success. Everyone, have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me, and I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.